Hello, hello, and welcome to the CVETS podcast. Today, we are going to unpack the conversation of the New Jerusalem, and we have a special guest with us today to help us do that, Dr. Craig Keener. That's right. One of the experts, actually, in the Mm. New Testament. I know you don't like to hear that, but the truth is... Anyone who's looking at the New Testament has one of your commentaries or books on their bookshelf. So we're so honored to have you here with us, for real. <laughs> it's, it's a great privilege for me to be with you. Yeah, and you know, I got to tell you, though, I, and I respect your writings and all that, of course. That's, that's, uh, that's beautiful. But what really gripped me um, about you was when you invited me into your study a few years ago. And I wanted to ask you about, you know, the book of Revelation, your view on the end times, those kinds of things. And, and I remember... In your study, the presence of God was so dense, so wonderful. In fact, I even remember when you acknowledged it, you said to Benjamin Robinson and myself who were there, you said, uh, you feel that? And then you prayed this prayer, Dr. Keener, and I know it's so normal to you, but it actually has impacted my life for the past two years, three years since we've met that time, when you said, you started this prayer with, your majesty, we welcome you here. And (laughs) I just... Hmm. I don't know, it made me see how real the King Jesus Christ as predicted or as depicted in the in the book of Revelation is how, how real it is to your, your daily life that you would pray in that way. Your yes. majesty, we welcome you here. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're assigning that imminence that you acknowledge he's there, uh, but you're also acknowledging his, his uh, greatness as king. So wow. it really, really impacted my life. So I love that. that. That's the main reason I'm honored. <laughs> First question, just to jump in. What about the New Testament do you love so much to make you study it for so many years? I, I want to hear God. Hmm. It, before I was a Christian, when I was an atheist, I, I wanted to be an astrophysicist. Wow. Because I figured, you know, if matter is all there is, the, the place to find truth is in physics. Yeah. And and that's a good place to, to find God's truth, part mm-hmm. of part of God's truth. But once I became a Christian and found out that God revealed himself in a special way in scripture, from then on I was gung ho. I had to learn <laughs> scripture. I mean the little kids in Sunday school they knew more about the Bible than I did. Right. I didn't know the Bible stories. I, I didn't I didn't know much of anything. And I knew mm-hmm. a few things. I knew Christians believed in the Trinity and gargoyles, right? So, right. so half right. But anyway, so I realized, though, if you if you read 40 chapters of the Bible a day, you can get through the New Testament every week or through the Bible every month. Wow. I, did, I didn't do that all the time. But it was something that I did for a while because I just needed to... 40 chapters a day. <laughs> day it it gave me the contours you know so so i would think in context and and hear the the biblical message the way it was given to us you know each each book of the bible at a time um and it's just so beautiful and and i'm always learning more and more there there was a time when i was getting very academic it was actually maybe toward the beginning of of seminary (laughs) And I was I was reading a lot of academic stuff, which of course I, I do all the time. It's part of my part of my job in a sense. <laughs> but I was just getting into that and I was I was very dry. I mean I was still praying, but I was very dry. Yeah. And it was like, uh, I guess I already know everything that there is to be known. I di- I didn't know anything. <laughs> yeah. I mean it was just it was just so You're so scra- scraping the surface. Yeah. yeah. I mean I mean 
every time I, I read scripture, I experience God's voice. Wow. I, I, I learn wow. new things. It's Beautiful. wonderful. Wow. Wow. So Gosh. tell us a little bit about how you got saved and just your journey, because as you said, you wanted to be an astrophysicist. You're, you're looking yeah. at a different path, but like, I'm curious how, how, how you were converted and how you became yeah. so hungry for the scriptures. Mm. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not against being an astrophysicist. You, Ross, yeah. uses it to great benefit. Yeah, right. and others. Yeah. <laughs> but I, uh, well, I, I, I think probably by the age of nine, at least, I was a complete materialist, uh, believing nothing but matter. Yeah. And I, I didn't believe in God. I remember talking with my mom when I was about nine about you know, not believing in life after death. And then uh, as time went on, you know, I thought I could explain the universe without recourse to the hypothesis of a God. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was maybe 11, I was <coughs> debating that with my grandma. She was, she was like, well, there has to be a first cause. And I said, no, not if time is infinite. It goes back infinitely, which, of course, it doesn't. And physics shows that. Yeah. I was I was 11. I didn't know what I was talking about. <laughs> By the way, if you're listening and you're 11 years old, that is not saying you don't know what you're talking about. Just that I didn't know what I was talking about when I was 11. But anyway, I so you know I was I was kind of a snob about it. Oh I made man. fun of Christians. Yeah. And then when I was 13, I was reading Plato, and Plato. I was do, I, I was reading a book on theoretic the theory of infinity, but I was also reading Plato. He was talking about the immortality of the soul, and his arguments for that were not very good, but it got me thinking about what really matters. Mm. My own existence as a specific individual was an infinitesimally improbable coincidence, if that's right. what it was, and I was mortal. I would die. How could I be this you know, conscious of my own self, and and I was just going to cease to exist, you know. Right. It was like, there must be some more meaning than this, but I didn't really have hope that there was. Yeah. I figured that the only way that there could be something like that would be some connection with someone or something infinite. Wow. And if there was something or someone infinite, the only way that they would care about me is if they were infinitely loving and why would they love me because i certainly wasn't loving mm. wow. i just i was so selfish and i knew it <sighs> so i started saying god or gods or whatever if you're out there please show me Gosh. and and kept praying that periodically i wouldn't call it praying back then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then one day some fundamental Baptists stopped me on the street, and they, I thought they were taking a poll. I didn't know, even know what a Baptist was. Um, they asked me if I knew if I was going to heaven or hell, and, and I made a joke of it. Um, but, you know, I, I figured, like, if there's one religion that can't be true, it's got to be Christianity, because at that time, something like 80% of the people in the U.S. claimed to be Christian, and I couldn't tell by how most of them lived that it made a difference in their lives. And I thought, 
you know, if I, if I really believed that there was a God who made me, I would owe God everything. I would want to give God everything. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't live like that. And of course, there were real Christians, but I wasn't distinguishing between real and nominal Christians. Yeah. And so, anyway, I started talking with them, and they started showing me from the Bible how you could have eternal life. And after a while, I'm like, you guys, you're showing me this from the Bible, but I'm an atheist. <laughs> I don't believe in the Bible. Right. Can you give me any kind of other evidence? And when it looked like they couldn't, I decided to hit them with what I thought was the ultimate question. If there's a God, where did the dinosaur bones come from? Oh, wow. <laughs> you ask a stupid question. <laughs> you get a stupid answer. They said, Did you win? <laughs> the devil put them there oh, no. to deceive us. Okay, <laughs> to so, deceive so they weren't trained in apologetics, and they certainly <laughs> were not trained in paleontology. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> but they, they were the people God used because they right. were the ones who were out in the street sharing the gospel. Yeah. And you know, when I heard that, I said, okay, you guys, I'm out of here because <laughs> I, 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 can't, I can't believe that. That's so I, I started walking away. And again, this is not the recommended method of friendship evangelism or whatever, but uh, one of them called out after me, you're hardening your heart against God. Every time you do this, your heart will get harder until you become incapable of repentance and you will burn in hell forever. That's usually not the way we do evangelism. (laughs) But, you know, for, for somebody who was scared out of his mind about dying and what would happen afterwards... That got my attention. But anyway, (laughs) so I'm walking home. I had studied different religions. Of course, I'd studied lots of different philosophies. I'd been going through the encyclopedia, just reading as many of them as I could. But this was different. I felt a presence. Wow. And God's presence was so overwhelming. wouldn't, Wouldn't let me alone. You know, all the way home, I'm going past this Catholic church and thinking, uh oh, the Trinity is up in the steeple looking at me. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing, but I got, I, got, I got home, and I was wrestling with this, but the presence was unrelenting. Wow. It was like God was in the room with me, and he wasn't going to let me alone until yeah. I either accepted him or rejected him. And, you know, this wasn't the kind of evidence I was thinking of when I was asking for evidence, but I mean, it was the evidence of God's own presence. And yeah. if I was... I mean, I was going to have to admit I was wrong about everything. My whole entire <laughs> philosophy was going to collapse. But um, I was going to have to go back and apologize to the Christians. <clears throat> but there was no way I could deny what I was experiencing. And, and you know, it may not be persuasive to somebody else who wasn't inside of me, but I knew what I was experiencing. And just overwhelmed, I said, okay, God, I don't understand. They said that Jesus died for me and rose again, and that's what makes me right with you. I don't understand how that works. But if that's what you say, I'll believe it. But God, I don't know how to be saved. So if you want to save me, you're going to have to do it yourself. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I felt something rushing through my body like I'd never felt before. And I jumped up, scared out of my mind, not knowing what had just happened thinking either God threw a gargoyle into me for being an atheist so long to punish me, or God himself just came inside of me. And so a couple days later was Sunday, and I, I went to a nearby church where the 
the pastor had shown me some kindness. He seen me running to school in the rain. He was taking his daughter to school, gave me a lift. So I, I stopped in there, and the pastor said, are, are you sure that you're saved? I said, no, I don't know if I did it right. Well, you know, looking back, <laughs> uh, God is so gracious, yeah, isn't you know, he? but it had nothing to do with me. I mean, I, I, he is just so gracious. I had some praying relatives I didn't know about, but, <laughs> but you know, I had no, I had, he, he, I had no claim on him, but he just, in his mercy, he reached out to me. And anyway, so I said, wow. I, I don't know, I don't know if I did it right. So the pastor led me in a prayer, which is basically what had happened that, you know, Jesus died for me, Jesus rose again, and I, I put my trust in, in him. Um, and, and, I, and I knew it was a new life, that, that I was accepting a new Lord. I mean, this was God. And I was so overwhelmed with his awesomeness and his majesty again. I mean, the same thing I'd felt a, f a couple days before. There was no way that I could praise him enough and give him enough honor and glory mm. unless he gave me the words to do it. And, you know, it started coming out in another language. I figured God knows lots Gosh. of languages, so he can make it come out however he wants to. <laughs> Gosh. I, I, I didn't know there was a name for that, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I found that later because I didn't know the Bible at all. Um, I just knew the basic gospel they'd given me. But, of course, that's when I had to start catching up, you know, with yeah, <laughs> the yeah. kids in Sunday school because they knew, they knew lots more than I did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Did they wow. end up knowing about the dinosaur bones, too, or did they give you the same answer? Oh, no, no, it was a different <laughs> church. Okay, good, uh, yeah. good. Uh, but I did, I, did, I did find them, like, a year later, and by that time I'd led 10 other people to Christ. Wow. And, 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 and um, I, so I checked with their church because I knew what church they were from. Uh, they'd give me a tract, and so um, I was able to meet with them to thank them for sharing Christ with Gosh. me, and 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 they they looked at each other. They said, "You know, this is really encouraging to us because you know we haven't seen a whole lot of fruit, but we thought you were one person who would never get saved." <laughs> <laughs> so you never know. Wow. You know, it's worth it. Yeah. Share yes. share Christ. Yeah. Gosh, seriously, even just a, a moment of immaturity, but sharing Christ brings people to the Lord. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. It really. Yeah. Is. God, God, God works with frail vessels. Thank God for that, because otherwise. Well, that's what he has to None work None of us with. would be being <laughs> exactly. used. <laughs> wow. So, so obviously, through throughout your journey, then, because I, I we heard a little bit on the on the podcast that you did with Dr. Michael Brown mm -hmm. uh, about you suffering even uh, for for your witness mm -hmm. and facing persecution and those kinds of things, which is you know pretty awesome. The boldness that God infused into you by His Spirit by filling you with His Spirit to be a witness. Yeah, I'm a shy. I mean. You've, you've seen me in other contexts. You know I'm shy. I'm yeah. an introvert. But, yeah. Holy Spirit <laughs> came in you yeah. and gave you a, wi a message <laughs> yeah. to share. And no, I, I, I really love hearing that. So, so obviously there came a point where you decided, I need to study the Bible seriously. You yeah. go to Bible college, is that right? Yeah. The, lo the Lord called me to, to preach his word. I didn't know all the details of that. I was just going to go straight out and preach at that point, but um, but I felt like he wanted me to go to Bible college for a couple of years, and so I did. Uh, especially, I felt like he wanted me to learn Greek and Hebrew because oh, wow. that's what I wouldn't learn on my own, most likely. I, w I was learning some Greek on my own, but Gosh. Um, but I got there, and uh, after a couple of years there, I felt like he wanted me to go on, uh, especially because you know the Lord had called me to 
to preach the word, and the more I got into it, the more I realized I needed to learn. And after a while, I realized I needed cultural background okay. because there were certain things that the author didn't have to state. The author could take for granted that his audience understood. For example, right. I mean, the, the author's writing in Greek. Paul's writing 1 Corinthians in Greek. <laughs> so he didn't have to explain this Greek word means this English <laughs> word right. or something like <laughs> right. that. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have that English. A little easier back yeah. then. <laughs> so, uh, but at the That's same right. time, he didn't have to explain to them their situation that he was addressing. Yeah. He didn't have to explain the head coverings custom, what that meant, that that was a sign of sexual modesty in, in the ancient Mediterranean world, especially yeah. the Eastern Mediterranean world, and, and, and so on. So, you know, before my conversion, even though I wanted to be an astrophysicist, I also really loved Greek and Roman studies. And so I immersed in that. Well, I gave that up as a Christian, but eventually I realized, oh, so that can be useful. <laughs> yeah. I can bring it back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'd already read Tacitus yeah. when I was 12. Tacitus, a uh, uh, history of mostly the first century of the Roman Empire, um, but uh, started delving into the Jewish background and, and all that. And just uh, eventually through a PhD um, at Duke University, which was, each, each stage was really good. I mean, at Bible college, sometimes the spirit would move and they'd have to cancel classes for a couple of days because wow. we'd all be worshiping God and just the oh spirit wow. of prayer would be so heavy. But, uh, you know, at Duke, I could, while I was doing my PhD, I also could work with the campus ministries and disciple undergraduates and, and share my faith and, and so on, got to baptize a few people in campus swimming pool. And <laughs> That's and great. Like that. yeah, you, you know, you, that didn't normally happen in Bible college. So anyway, um, wow. but also I was able to hear the arguments from different positions and uh, work through what I, what I really thought with everything on the table. And that was, that was a good experience too. But at the end of that, I'm like, wow, you know, I've spent all these years trying to get this cultural background so I can understand the Bible better. Um, and originally, it was just so I could go out and preach it. You know, I just, <laughs> I, I mean, it was like I had to get every detail, you know. And so I, I realized, wow, you know, I need to make this available because yeah. you can't expect everybody is going to go out and preach to spend 10 years doing this. Yeah. So I wanted to put it at people's fingertips. And I said, if nobody else writes a Bible background commentary before the time I get my PhD, I'm going to write one. And then InterVarsity Press, um, an editor called me in when I was almost done with my PhD and said, uh, uh, we see you're almost done with your PhD. You're an evangelical. Would you like to write a, a book for us? I said, well, how about, how about this? Cultural background of the New Testament, passage by passage. Gosh. And, and, um, but then I couldn't understand how the Lord had provided for me year after year. I mean, the day... Now, um, sometimes people hear these stories and they may think this is because the person's a great spiritual warrior. <laughs> this is just because God is faithful to what he calls mm. you to do, whatever it is he calls you to do. Yeah. The day before I was going to call Duke and tell him I couldn't come because they only had a dollar, the Lord provided the money for me to go there. Wow. Well, now I was graduating, though, and I couldn't understand it. I didn't have a teaching position. And that whole year... After I graduated, I didn't have a teaching position yet. Um, the The doors were all closed, and I was like, God, I don't understand this. And it was like um, maybe August already, schools would be starting in September, and it was like, 
almost impossible to get a teaching position at that point. And, and so uh, it was a Sunday night. I figured out how much I was going to need to live on that year just so my research files wouldn't be out in the street or whatever. I was like, God, how am I going to come up with that? And, and I'd been waiting to write to my mother because um, she kept saying, do you have a job yet? <laughs> you know how moms are, right? Yeah. Yes. And dads. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah. uh, and, I, and I said, and, and I'd been waiting to write her back, and finally, you know, Monday afternoon, I, I sent the letter off. I said, barring a miracle, no, I'm not going to have a job. And shortly after I sent the letter out, I got the call back from InterVarsity Press, and they said, we want you to write this, this book for us. And just to show you how serious we are about it, We'd like to give you um, an advance in the book. It was to the dollar. <gasps> no. What I decided the night before. But I mean, that's incredible. It's, it's, but it's God's grace. I mean, yes. just so people understand, <laughs> I had been tr really trying to have faith, but at that point, <laughs> I was like, oh. <laughs> I have no more. <laughs> so it was just him saying, "I'm with you, son." It's God's grace. Wow. That's incredible. Well, and and that Bible is that the the the, the cultural backgrounds. Yeah, the IVP Bible background. Th that I, I mean, I have it not even on a bookshelf. I have it on my desk. I I refer to it so often, just because you know you read verses and you're like, wait a minute, what? Yeah. What did they mean? It's like you know, because I'm bilingual. So so exactly. when you try to translate piece of cake, mm -hmm. you know, in English, it just means something's easy. Yeah. You know, and, and or now it's like I'm kind of low key excited. You know, they say that kind of thing. The Gen Z's right now. Mm. Or, 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 you're, or you're saying ah, that's probably bad for your health. Unless it's broccoli cake. <laughs> Spinach <laughs> cake. Sounds disgusting. <laughs> oh, come no, on. but you know, there's all these idioms and things yeah. like that that we use so often. That mm -hmm. I, And I actually have worked a lot as a translator, mainly for yeah. missionaries to Latin America. And, yeah. And, uh, and I remember having to sift through the, how do I say that? Like, right. I know what it means in English, but there's nothing in Spanish. And I'm like, can I be faithful to exactly word for word what you said? Or should I interpret it myself? And hopefully it comes out the way you meant it, but it impacts the people in that way. Yeah. So as a bilingual person, I know there's there's these things. So I love it when 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 you have, I mean, I can just turn to that and see what you say. Like, what does it bond servant mean? So I remember cool. a recent one that I looked into. And just, you know, so that, yeah. that's been a great gift to the body of Christ. So thank you for writing it. And the cultural background study Bible comes out of that, too. Yeah. The, the new, I did the New Testament notes uh, and, and many of the sidebars in there. But, yeah, the, the cultural differences. My wife is from Congo. And yeah. when we first got married, I would, I would say, je t'aime, I love you. And I would think she would say, je t'aime, wa aussi, I love you, too. But she would say, merci, thank you. And I was like, oh, my wife doesn't love me. And she would say, why is he so sad? And it took us a while to understand. That it was just expressed different ways in different cultures yeah, yeah. and different languages. And so, um, and once we understood that, then we could laugh about it. Yeah. We, we laugh about it. That, that's one of our big examples. But <laughs> we could give so many examples. I have a friend from Indonesia. She was, she was driving like she'd, she would drive in Jakarta. She was doing it in Southern California. And, and people were were uh, giving her the middle finger and and she's she's oh how nice the people are here they're all waving at me <laughs> until she understood later on was good so yeah, you no know, one culture to another it's not you know, that kind of way gestures no. mean something different yeah i mean i think we can all give a number of examples i think we all married interculturally yeah we did i married austrian you married american yeah you married Congolese. oh but she's like fun. 90 something percent british so 
Oh. You guys are basically cousins. We are. <laughs> we are indeed. Um, I was, okay, so so you've written a lot of commentaries as well. Like, I, I know Matthew commentary. I mean, I can just go off I'm on him. Uh, but, and of course, the Axe, Axe commentaries, that's a very special, special set because it's four volumes. And, of course, then you wrote your your, your Miracles um as a footnote yeah. in one of your, <laughs> and it becoming, what is it, three volumes on Miracles? or No, it's two. Two. It's two. 1,100 pages. But you're working wow. on the third one, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm working on a shorter version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, you're working on a new one on Mark. But you did write one on the Book of Revelation, which yeah. I, I, I just love how this is coming full circle, right? Because, yeah. because in your hunger for the truth and how your place is in it, and you're looking forward to life beyond matter life beyond our mm. this existence now mm. y you wrote this commentary in mm. revelation where you see the consummate existence being yeah. when you're there in the new jerusalem and i've i've heard you talk about it before with such wonder so could you help us understand a little bit about the glory of the new jerusalem mm. the biggest glory is to be with jesus mm. that's what i uh I ha i've had i've seen him in dreams i've never had a vision but i i keep praying for that and whether I get to see him in a vision or, um, anyway, sooner or later, I'm going to see him face to face. And that's what I long for, to, to be with Jesus. I mean, I am with Jesus, but to see him fully, the, the love, the grace I experience, just to have that undistracted. But, um, yeah, the, the, the New Jerusalem, um, yeah. the throne of God and of the Lamb, and actually... You know, the Old Testament, Ezekiel talks about um, this glorious temple, far more glorious than the first temple. But what you have in Revelation 21, it says, I saw no temple there. How can he do that? There's <laughs> supposed to be this glorious temple. But everything we have is just a, a symbol. It's just a foretaste. Because yeah. as 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 10 says, eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered the human heart the things that God has prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them to us by his spirit. By the spirit, we get a foretaste. And all these symbolic images, I mean, that's all they can be because it's so much greater than that. So it wasn't, you know, for it to be actually greater than Ezekiel's temple is no problem. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Revelation 21, I saw no temple there because God himself and the lamb are the temple. And, wow. and at the beginning of Revelation 21, when, when the new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, it says that God's dwelling place is with people. And that was the covenant motif yeah. uh, in the Old Testament. I will be their God. They will be my people. I will dwell among them. But now it says that the, um, I, I, will be, I will be their, their God. They will be my child. And I, I will dwell among them. And the new Jerusalem is shaped like a cube. Mm -hmm. Oh. So sorry, like it's it's not just a, a cloud in the sky and <laughs> no. some angels playing harps. No, no it's no. real. Yeah, it's real. <laughs> but but the but the the shape like a cube. I mean, wow. yeah. What are the dimensions of? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, if you if you take it literally, it's like fifteen hundred miles square on the bottom and that that high. Gosh. You know, Mount Everest is about five miles high, and the air is already getting thin there. Uh, now, God can change the laws of physics if yeah. He wants, but but I, I suspect that the reason that it's shaped like a cube is to communicate something to us. By the way, 666 is a pyramidic number in terms of geometry. Uh -huh. uh, but this is shaped like a cube, so it's different. Praise God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, 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 the New Jerusalem 
In the Old Testament, the thing that was shaped like a cube was the Holy of Holies. Oh, yeah. We will be in the presence of God, undistracted forever and ever, with mm-hmm. our glorified bodies that can withstand and enjoy and appreciate his glory without distraction wow. forever and ever. Wow. So awesome. Now, t- uh, now uh, we were talking a little bit before the podcast just a l- about the measuring rod. You care yeah, to yeah, yeah. comment on that a little bit? Well, the, the only place before that he, he mentions a measuring rod. There's some places in the Old Testament that, that shed some light on this too. But in, in Revelation 11, uh, he's only able to, to measure the outer court, which is given to the Gentiles to mm-hmm. trample down. I think that's you know, during the course of this age. Um, but, but, but no measurements are given. Mm. But here we have the measurements of the New Jerusalem. Hmm. And the, the, the 1,500 miles and so on, in Greek, it's literally 12,000 stadia times 12,000 stadia times 12,000 stadia with a wall of 144 cubits. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do? I mean... A, a wall of 140 cubits, that's like 200 feet. How does that work with, with a, a city that's 1,500 miles high? Yeah. That it's disproportionate. But we've seen those numbers earlier in the book of Revelation with 144,000, 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. Right. And they're standing with the Lamb on Mount Zion uh, just a few chapters after we have, um, you know, basically Mount Zion... In a, in a literal sense, it's devastated because you've got the, yeah. you've got the, um, you know, it being trampled down by the, by the Gentiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's so like the the grass blades, like what you you have a large people in, on a grass, you can, you know, all the grass is trampled down. Is that is that kind of the imagery, or what do you mean by trampled down? Because that's what it, uh, um, the thing that comes to my mind. It's uh, the Gentiles are oppressing. God's people there. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, the temple, you know, in, in, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 12, the, the, uh, we are pillars. We're going to be pillars in the house of God. Right. Yeah. So there's also a symbolic reference to the, the temple imagery in, in the New Testament and in, in, in the book of Revelation. But in uh, Revelation 21, this is the city of God yeah. for the people of God. 144,000 um, with the Lamb on Mount Zion. And if you go through the rest of, uh, well, the context of the first time it talks about the 144,000. Is it all right for me to go on? Yeah, oh, yeah. please, yeah. please. Um, I'm, I'm just fascinated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every detail, please. Yes. Re- Revelation 7, verses 4 through 8, it mentions the 144,000 from the 12 tribes. Now, originally, before they changed their view, Jehovah's Witnesses said these are, these are the saved. There's 144,000 of them. They had to change their views some after there were more than 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses. But they took the number literally, but they took the rest figuratively because huh. they needed to be male Jewish virgins. <laughs> right. If you take the both passages, <laughs> chapter 14 and chapter 7 together, male Jewish virgins. And that didn't fit most Jehovah's Witnesses. So, <laughs> But they were, they were partly right at the beginning, I think. Uh, see, there's a couple, a couple views both of which are consistent. This can either be literal or it can be figurative. So if it's all literal, it's 144,000 literal Jewish believers in Jesus, uh, th- but they're actually more than that now. <laughs> so it's not just right. um, 
and 144,000 literal Jewish believers in Jesus, and then you have a vision of Gentile believers in Jesus in 7, 9 through 17. But the other possibility is that the two visions represent the same thing. Uh, now, I do want to qualify when I say that, that we do have other texts that are very explicit, very clear, mm -hmm. like Romans 11 is, is really clear, and you've got a lot of Old Testament passages that are clear, and some other New Testament passages that point in this direction as well, yeah. that um, the Jewish people will, will turn to faith in, in the Messiah Jesus, and the Jewish people as a whole will, be, will, will become... The nation will be saved in yeah, a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But already, Gentile believers are grafted in to the heritage of Israel, and... And so we are children of Abraham spiritually. Um, you sing that song, Father Abraham, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and so on. Um, and so that, that's the other possibility. Now, on that reading, it's interesting because it says, number the servants of our God. Well, everywhere else in Revelation, God's servants, God's slaves, mm -hmm. the ones who will be before his throne forever, that's all believers. Right. And so he says, number the servants of our God. It's 144,000. And then, um, then you have a second vision. Now, sometimes in the Bible, second vision is different from the first vision, but sometimes the second vision is the same. Uh, it, it repeats in a different way the, the first vision. And we have that in, in Genesis, um, like with Joseph's dreams or with Pharaoh's dreams, or, or so on. And in this second vision, in chapter 7, verses 9 through 17, you have um, a, a couple scripture texts in particular that are emphasized. One is from Isaiah 25. Mm -hmm. uh, God will wipe away all tears oh, yeah. from our eyes. Right. Yeah. Another one is from Isaiah 49, verse 10, okay. where he'll lead us to living uh, springs of living water. The sun won't beat down on us anymore, uh, and, and so on. And Two differences from the way it was quoted in the Old Testament. The Old Testament, it's Yahweh. Mm -hmm. In the New Testament, in Revelation, we find out more details about that. It's God and the Lamb. And oh, the wow. Yeah. And, and the other difference is, in, the, in, in Isaiah, these were applied to Israel. But here, it applies to these people from this innumerable multitude from every kindred and tribe and people and nation. Wow. wow. And so, you know, we've been grafted in. Mm -hmm. And so it's possible that this is referring to, uh, it's giving a, a, a more literal interpretation of the first vision. Okay. In which case, the 144,000, the New Jerusalemites, refer to all believers, uh, okay. both, both the Jewish remnant mm -hmm. and ultimately the, the fullness of, of, of the Jewish people, and also oh. the Gentiles who are, who are grafted in right. so that uh, we're all New Jerusalemites. We'll all be... In his presence well, well, and, wow. and in that sense, there will be neither Greek nor Jew. In that exactly. sense, we're one family. Exactly. We, a new ethnicity, or as, the, as, right. as it yeah. says, a new humanity, or one yes. new man. Now, oh, this is so interesting to me. Um, you've mentioned a lot about, the, the, of, about Israel, and uh, just these, uh, I just, I guess, I, I typically among scholars, I tend to read a lot of um, supersessionist arguments yeah. that kind of mention, yeah, of course, um, God loves Israel, um, but he, he wants more than Israel now. He wants the whole world, as, mm. as if that was, wasn't his intention from the get-go. Right. Can you speak a little bit into the um, future 
fulfillment of promises for Israel. Just uh, and I, I don't need much of a treatise, but I just care yeah. about your opinion about is it is there relevance from your perspective still for for Israel as a people? Yeah, obviously. I mean, God is faithful to His promises, and God has His way of working things out. <clears throat> I mean, there are different views of how He does that. I I don't think He micromanages everything. I think uh, He He allows for at least a measure of free will, and and sets things up so beautifully that he's able to still achieve his purposes uh, with, you know, like, like uh, God telling Samuel, I'm going to send a man to you tomorrow. You're going to anoint him as king over Israel. Mm -hmm. Saul just knows he's looking for his lost donkeys. He comes to Samuel. God (laughs) says, this is the one. And Samuel says, don't worry about your lost donkeys. They've been found. But I have another message for you. (laughs) So God was sending Saul through his own, you know, looking for his lost donkey. So <laughs> God has his ways of, of bringing things about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, in the Old Testament prophets, I mean, in most of them, where you have the message of judgment, you also have the message of hope. You've already gotten in Deuteronomy. Yeah. Uh, so part of that, yeah, includes the grafting in of Gentiles. But Paul's vision in Romans 11 is that this grafting into the Gentiles, it, it's ultimately to make the Jewish people uh, jealous to say, hey, look, you know, these promises of the Gentiles flowing into to the worship of, of the one God, uh, our God, it's happening through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and so to turn the Jewish people, and, and Paul's vision hadn't happened through most of history because Gentiles were disobeying what Paul said about not looking down on the, on the other branches yeah. right. um, through Christian anti-Semitism and so on. But as, as, as Christians realize, yeah, this is the God of Israel we worship. We've been grafted into this heritage, and, and not in a way like we've replaced Israel, but, but we've, we've joined in with the, the hope of Israel, right. the, the promises to the patriarchs and the prophets and so on. Um, he, he promises a, a turning of the Jewish people. And what else could he mean? I mean, he talks about Israel being hardened yeah. in the immediate context. How is he going to change his meaning of Israel when he gets to verse 26 of chapter 11? (laughs) And then he says, all of Israel shall be saved. Now, all Israel shall be saved. That was an expression that was used in Jewish literature for Israel as a whole. Sometimes they'd go on to list exceptions. So it doesn't mean like God is going to force every single person. But but that the Jewish people as a whole will be revivaled. Jewish people as a whole will turn to faith in the Messiah. Um, And and you also have hints of that like in Matthew uh, 23 where Jesus says, you won't see me again until you say, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, they'd already said that at the triumphal entry. And in Luke, you know, that's before the triumphal entry. But in Matthew, he says that again after the triumphal entry. So right. there's an expectation of, of, of that happening again. Yeah. And then, you know, his, his return, which he goes on to talk about in Matthew 24 and 25. Um, you have uh, hints of it. I think in some other passages as well, right. but just a yeah. just a, wow. a not a slight off topic, but but when they say blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, does that need to happen before he splits the sky, or does that need to happen before he actually enters into Jerusalem physically? I'm not sure how much time there'll be in between <laughs> those, <laughs> but uh, at least people will be primed for it. Yeah. If, if it's true. if it's a last <laughs> second decision, then yeah. uh, it'll be something they'll b- they'll be ready for. Right. Uh, and recognize recognize what's happening. Um, yeah, and actually, 
Jesus, uh, as, as he ascends in, in Acts chapter 1, verses 9 to 11, and then uh, he, he ascends from Mount Olivet, and then, then you have another, another statement uh, by, by the angels, uh, as, as, uh, as you saw him go, so he, will he return. Well, right. Zechariah 14 already talks about the Lord, y- Yahweh, yeah. coming to Mount Zion, or not Mount Zion, uh, he will come to Zion too, but uh, coming on Mount Olivet and it's splitting. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> Very <laughs> dramatic, actually. <laughs> no, I pre- wow. Pretty crazy. Man, well, I, I'm just, okay, I'm so stunned by, by this because, you know, part of my job uh, as a student of the word, as disciple, of course, as, you know, uh, one who ha- has helped kind of lead the Center for Biblical End Time Studies and you know, we have a, a little over a thousand people who are going week after week, just studying chapter by chapter, each of the uh, passages where the primary message is, you know, regarding the generation around when the Lord will return. And so we're looking at these Old Testament prophets and all of this stuff. And so part of my thing is like, well, what are, what are the, what is the council, you know, of, right. of the church, like different people, what are they saying about this? And so it's refreshing to hear that uh, you see a lot of what we're seeing, which is that there's a relevance still. Like God has not forgotten his people Israel. Israel's not just a nickname for the church. You know, like it's like, and, and, and beyond that, it's a little bit more nuanced. It's God's not done with Israel. Like right. he, he's invited us into as Gentiles into the story, but he's he still has a very special plan for Israel, who, who he chose by divine will uh, to be the method by which he would reveal himself to the nations. And, and, uh, and so because of that, there's uh, an election to them that as the church, we need to acknowledge and honor mm-hmm. as we set our eyes on the yeah. day of his re- appearing, yeah. you know? And so I, 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 do, I do feel like, like yeah. I don't know, I just feel very encouraged to hear yeah. that, that you're thinking yeah. in the way, because I don't know, I guess sometimes you feel dumb, you know, when all of these supersessionists, really lofty thinkers and scholars are saying, oh, no, Israel's not a thing anymore. It's like, wait, really? What? But you're really smart. You've just been studying yeah. for 50 <laughs> years. Like, huh. what but do I do with this? The, the, they see something else that is there. I mean, about us being grafted in, um, us being um, Jewish inwardly, you know, and, and uh, spiritually circumcised and all that. I mean, we we partake of the new covenant. Yeah. So th- they're right on that, but in in trying to force consistency, it's it's like the people who say, well, you know, receiving the Spirit is just salvation. Yeah. But you look in the Book of Acts, there are people who receive the Spirit subsequent to salvation. I mean, we we do receive the Spirit at salvation, but there's also a dimension of the Spirit that we can receive then or later. I mean, there are different aspects of the right. Spirit's work. And sometimes when we're trying to make things consistent, we put God in a box. I see. And and biblically, God, <clears throat> I mean, his promises to the Jewish people, yeah. for him not to fulfill those, that would be a failure. Yeah. Right. Instead of instead of showing God's faithfulness that yeah. God can bring that about. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's what Romans 11 talks about. I mean, there's there's this time when that hardening happens it gives time for God to still be faithful to his promises and bring these Gentiles in. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there's also going to come a time when, you know, the good news has gone out to all the nations. Uh, that's also, that's something we can be involved in. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and so we, we sow everywhere and we, we trust God's faithfulness. Yeah. And, and that's a promise too. I mean, um, 
the the good news going out to all the nations and so yeah. we, oh. we're we get to be a part of that and participate in that yeah. and, and so ultimately good. most of the passages that talk about jesus return they talk about how we should live in light of that holy lives blameless lives looking for his coming yeah so the 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 heart of all these passages is we're looking for jesus to come yes well, who is jesus there's, there's all sorts of things we can say about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but one yeah. of the things, in light of what we've just been talking about, mm -hmm. is Jesus is the King of Israel. Right. He's the King. Yeah. Praise he's God. And he's, he's our king. our king. We, our we king. come under. Uh, Which is why you relate to him as your Majesty. I've yeah. I've stolen that from you actually. I'm like, <laughs> when I start praying, I'm like, oh, let me start with this. See what your it does majesty. to me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're a real king, <laughs> not just a figurative one. You know, Psalm 2, the inheritance of the nations is yours. Like, yeah. you're a real ruler. Yes. Oh, gosh, that gets That's me amazing. happy. Yeah. Um, well, Dr. Keener, thank you so much for sharing of your insights and of your uh, of, of just your journey. But I'd, I'd love for you to give a final kind of a, a statement about just the beauty of the New Jerusalem, mm -hmm. about the presence of God, about how we interact with God, maybe our resurrected bodies. And I don't mm -hmm. know, like, I'm trying to... I'm, I guess we're all scraping at the mystery right now. Yes. And, and so I'd love for any final uh, thoughts on, on that. Eye has not have. seen and ear has yeah. not heard. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, and, and we're, uh, we know in part and we prophesy in part too. Yeah. So, you know, we, we each have different piece of it. And, but, yeah, there'll be no, no need for the sun or the moon because the Lord himself will be the light. Um, and... I mean, I'm not thinking it's necessarily completely a change in the laws of physics or something. It's more like it's communicating, wow, everything we need is yeah. wrapped up in God. And you've got this river flowing from the throne, this river of life flowing from the throne of, of God and of the Lamb so that we're all, all in his presence, um, this river of life. And the, the tree of life on either side, and there'll be no more curse. So you have, like in Genesis, the, the place of paradise where you've got the, the four rivers, the tree of life, and, uh, and then the curse comes in there. You've got a reversal of that here, right. a, new, a, a, um, a new paradise, except this one is urban in a sense. It's the new Jerusalem. But also that imagery goes back to Ezekiel 47 where you've got a river flowing from the temple, flowing from Zion uh, in, in Jerusalem. And, uh, and, and there are trees on either side of it. It's not called the tree of life in Ezekiel. It's just trees on either side of it, uh, which are for healing. But in, in Revelation, it's added the healing of the nations. So we have this, this river of life going out. We have a restoration of, of paradise. And, and we have a foretaste of that right now. Um, on, on the... On the, on the uh, last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, what Jewish people before the destruction of the temple used to do, they would gather up water from the Pool of Siloam and they would march into the, into the temple and they pour out that water at the base of the altar as a way of prefiguring uh, the scripture text that they would read on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. And these were Zechariah 14, which talks about the Feast of Tabernacles and talks about rivers of water going forth from wow. Jerusalem. And they'd read from Ezekiel 47, which also talked about the, the rivers of, of water, living water, flowing fresh water, going forth from, um, from the temple. But 
In John chapter 7, in the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stands up in the midst of the temple, and he says, let the one who's thirsty come to me and drink. Um, as the scripture has said, from his belly, now, now Jerusalem in Jewish thought was considered the belly or the navel of the world. From his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Mm. And this he spoke of the spirit which those who believed in him were to receive. And so Jesus himself is the foundation stone of the new temple. And, 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 and he invites us to come and drink freely of the water of the river of life. But there's coming a day when we will have complete and total access to his presence without distraction, drinking freely and fully. And the words can just get at it. Wow. But wow. by the Spirit, the, the New Testament repeatedly speaks of the Spirit as a foretaste. Uh, yeah. An arhabon, Greek word meaning a down payment. We, ha we have the foretaste, the first installment of that future inheritance because God, the Holy Spirit, has made his dwelling place within us. We are his temple. Come on. And through that, we begin to understand something that goes beyond what words can communicate. Yeah. Just the beauty of God's presence and the foretaste of what it's going to be like to be with him forever. 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 Come on. And that is why we join the spirit within us in saying, Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Yeah. Even so. Yeah. Thank you for joining us and sharing that with us. And um, to our listeners and viewers, if we don't see you in the New Jerusalem, we'll see you next week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Friday, uh, 2 p.m. in the New Jerusalem, too. Yes, yeah, yeah, both and. <laughs> <Yes. both and. laughs> no, we've been so touched and encouraged by, by this, uh, this podcast. You know, I think ultimately it's, it's kind of what I, what I hear from an, an old hymn that Charles Wesley wrote about uh, the head and heart so long just joined, you know, bringing in this truth that you've dug and it's, it's touching our hearts and yeah. we're engaging in this fellowship of the burning heart right now. So good. Did not our hearts burn within us. Yeah. First Corinthians 2 talks about the spirit and us having the mind of Christ. Yeah. Romans 12, the renewing of the mind. Romans 8 talks about the mind of the spirit. Uh, God wants to touch everything. Yeah. Every side of us. Come yeah. on. Amen. 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 Well, thank you. Thank you, Craig. Such you're an amazing. honor. I mean, seriously, seriously you're, you're, you've been such an inspiration to me and many others. And I, we just pray that the Lord would give you grace for your, your better years. Father, thank you for Dr. Keener and all the work that he's uh, done in your presence. Lord, I pray for that his latter years will be greater than his former. Yes. Lord, that you would release revelation and insight. Father, in greater, just a, a deeper relationship with you as he journeys on as a disciple, as a son, as we await together the day of your appearing. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Well, if you haven't seen our previous podcast, go ahead and find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, any outlet that you use. And we will see you next week, Friday, 2 p.m. Central right. Time. Peace.